I really want to share with you something today that I think that'll help you. And it's helped me. It's freed my mind. How many of you ever been trapped in your mind? You know what I mean? Maybe not trapped here, but trapped here. And so it inhibits you from doing things. So today, I hope to share something with you that will, maybe for some of you, it may free you up. Say, I want to be free. I want to live wholeheartedly for Jesus. And I don't want to be restricted in any way. So that's kind of where we're going. And, and with that said, I want you to go to a Matthew 11 and, and verses 28 to 30. And, and Jesus says something very interesting. He says, come to me. I love that. Come to me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For what? My yoke is what? And my burden is? Now, for many years, I didn't understand that. And there's reasons I didn't understand that. Because the way I grew up a little bit, and I, I want to just give you a brief understanding of that so you can understand where I'm coming from and what I'm trying to relate to you. First of all, I found myself in a, my father was either murdered or committed suicide when I was eight years old. And, and so I knew rejection very early because it was, it was, it was told as a suicide. And so if, you, if, if you've ever had loss like that, especially the way it was done, it, it was very much a rejection. I was the youngest of five children, and I looked forward, and, and I played with my dad and everything, but yet when he was gone, it was there. Then my grandfather, who was his father, rejected my, our family in light of the fact that he said he blamed my mother for the death, and this was a wealthy man who could have taken care of our family and just rejected. Then my aunt and uncle, his, his sister, followed a suit with that. And really, I lost all my relatives in a very quick period because we had gone to see them every other weekend or every week because my father and my grandfather were in business together. And it was just a very traumatic time. And so from that aspect of rejection, I knew a lot of rejection, just a lot of things. Society at that time, how they looked upon my mom and so forth is, you know, and everything. It, it just was a very difficult time. So in that, I began to have a perception. I began to develop a perception of perfection. Okay, I wanted to be looked at per, as perfect because if they look at me as perfect, they'll find no wrong and they'll have to accept me. How many of you have ever gone to a job and you want to do such a good job that they can't fire you? You know, you make yourself so valuable. That's a trap. Amen. It's a trap, but you don't know it at the time. The same way here is a trap. So I'm trying to go from group to group. Anytime I feel that they're thinking me less than, quote, perfect or what I want them to perceive me as, I would go to another group. So it was a very weird time, and you can understand that it was, it was not a good time for me that way. But when I came to the Lord, you know, I understand that he said, I don't have to do right to feel right. I don't have to do right, say that with me, to feel right. I don't have to do right to feel right. I found when I came to the Lord that he loved me for who I was, okay, and I learned, had to learn that that's not, you know, what he requires or desires of me. That I have to do right to feel right. See, I had this perfection mentality. I had to do right to feel right. You understand? Or, or at least perceive it. And a lot of people walk around with this identity. When I came to the Lord, I had to grow in the understanding that he loves, accepts, and forgives me just as I am. Just as I am. So I could come to him imperfect. 
I could come to him as I was and that he would love me and accept and forgive me. But will he reject me? See, that's in the back of my mind. So through, I had to learn in my time with him and exposing myself to him and letting him come and, and be who he wanted to be to me to understand that he would never reject me, that he loves me in that context. Now, Something else I've had to learn to grow in over the years is my identity and significance. With that in mind, there is something else I had to grow in, and that is this. We know that the Lord loves each one of us as we are, but he does have expectations of us because of who we are. Ah, interesting. How many of you have children? How many of you trained them? Here, honey, come, come. Come, come on, crawl on your knees. Here, take the bone, go back to in play. How many of you have trained your kids that way? How many of you wanted to have your kids obey that way? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> you understand, like a dog will come for the bone. But you, you know what I'm saying. We don't train them as dogs because why? They're not dogs. I love my horses. I grew up, I showed horses, everything, all that. But you know what? I never have treated my kids. I have four children. I have 13 grandchildren. To this day, they never come when I go, come here, Michael. Never come. Because they, weren't, they aren't that way. See, God wanted me to understand who I was. You understand? And that I have a special place. So he expects me to act different than the dog, than the trees, than the sun, the moon, the stars, because he made me different from them. How many of you can say amen to that? So, we know that where the Lord loves each one of us, but he does have expectation of us because of who we are. Now, let's go to a very familiar set of scriptures here that I know that you're familiar with. And, and Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Because I want to give you some insight about, really, about what God really expects of us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I have given you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we're very familiar with that. Let's go to another one that we're very familiar with that, that complements it. In Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and all your soul, then I will send rain on your land and its seasons, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine, and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will... He will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain on the ground, and will, the ground will not yield uh, no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land. The Lord swore to give your ancestors so as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Wow, it's a beautiful thing. So here's what I found out. We know in salvation there's nothing we can do to earn it. You can't earn your salvation. 
There's no good deed that'll be acceptable before the Lord for the sin that we've committed. We know that. But after we're saved, God requires us to act in a certain way. In, in Peter, it says, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Okay? Through, through the power of God and through the promises that he's given us so we can escape the corruption that the world has to offer. And he says after that, he goes, for this very reason, because I've given you the power not to be like the world, make every effort to add to your faith and so on. And then it goes, if you do this, you'll be effective and productive and not, you know, in the kingdom of God. But if you lose sight of these things, you'll become ineffective and unproductive and you'll lose what kind of a person you really are. So God has expectations of us. Say, he has expectations. Now, why does he require these? Because we are people made to rule and reign in his likeness and in his heart and mind. And, you know, so we're, we're to reign and rule like him. That's what we were made for. Nothing else he has made, as I said before, has the privilege, and nothing else he has made has this responsibility as well. So nothing else has been given the privilege that we have been given, but no one else has been given the responsibility either. I have learned that as I have yielded my heart to his and have followed the path that he has prepared for me, his love, acceptance, and forgiveness has been deeply established in my life, and out of that relationship... I have been clothed with identity and significance that defines me today. So as I began to allow his love, acceptance, and forgiveness to deeply root themselves in me and, and, and walk with him, then my identity and significance also came out of it. Now, we have a problem with identity and significance today in our society. It's because we've lost sight of the love, acceptance, and forgiveness that God offers to us and the purpose for which we've been made. It's very simple. It's not real complicated. Now, with that said, so we can begin to get a glimpse of why he says to us in Deuteronomy 6 and 11, here's the two things that he says. First, hear, right? Hear and obey, right? That's what he says to us. That's the two things that he says. If you want to know my love, acceptance, and forgiveness, you want to know your identity and significance in life, you want to be competent and fulfilled in life, by the way, those are the three major needs of every person sitting here and around the world, then hear and obey. Hear and obey me. And you will see that I'll do beyond what you can ever ask or think in your life. How many of you love that idea? I do. I know I found it. It's, it's amazing to me what God has done. Now, with this in mind, I want to go to three essential things of hearing. Because hearing is so important. And the first is this. It's an attitude of worship. Frank and I were talking about this yesterday. See, when I live my life, I get up in the morning. I get up early sometimes, most of the time. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth, usually, because I've trained myself, is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Why? Because I wanted to train myself to prepare myself for the day and what it really is about. It's about worshiping God in everything I say and do, everything I'm about. It should be an act of worship as unto the Lord. No matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing. If I'm working, then he says, obey me by what? By loving and obeying me. If you love me, you'll obey me. And that's an act of worship by honoring your boss. Doing what he says. Conducting yourself that way. Amen? 
See, all these things that the Bible's given us direction-wise are an act of worship. It's a way we show him our love and gratitude. So it's about being in the presence of God. It's about keeping him in mind. So it's like this. My life is with him in mind. So I walk around all day long, hopefully with that presence over me, his word covering me, his, his idea, you know, remembrance of him all the time. The second is, when I'm in his presence, when I'm doing what he wants, I'm listening. Lord, what would you have me to do? I love the Good Samaritan. How many of you love him? Good Samaritan. Here he was, walking in the presence of God, walking out there, and he saw a need and he took care of it. So he knew what to do because God gave him, had given him the insight. He was representing the likeness and the character of God to that person. So I want to listen. I want to see. I want to be involved with him that way. And then the third is obedience. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I love God. I love Jesus. You know, I love the way he is with me. I love his love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I love listening to the Lord. But, you know, there's things I don't like. I, I understand that. But still, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll obey me. So we, it's not for us to pick or choose, is it? It's us for us to hear and hear and some of you are. I understand. I understand. You're talking to a guy who was in his own home at 15 years old. Everybody was there. For, you know, when you have a you're 15 year old and you have a four bedroom on the lake. Guess where they come? And guess what I had to do? I had to become the parent. It was amazing. So rebellion was birthed in my heart no different than anybody else's at birth. I was born in rebellion. But I had to learn through Christ how to surrender my life, how to yield my life to what? Hear and obey. But I couldn't do it on my own strength. That's why I had to get saved. Amen? Can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. Can't do it apart from God in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Can't do it. Now, Let's talk about some examples here in the Bible. Let's go to Moses, and we're going to Exodus 4, Jeff, 1 through 7. And I want to look at the discussion he's having at the burning bush with the Lord after he commands him to go back to Egypt, okay? Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord does not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is in that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became like it became a snake, and he, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and turned, it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of, our fa- of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put, into, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Now, what is so beautiful about this? How many of you can throw a staff on the ground? How many of you can throw a staff on the ground? He was never required to make it a snake. How many of you can pick a, snap, a snake up by the tail if the Lord so distracts you? Okay, let's understand, okay? How many of you can do that? 
Okay. How many of you can put your cloak, your hand in your coat? Okay. When, you know, that's why I don't have a button. You know. Uh, anyway. How many of you can pull it out? I can do that. Say, I can do that. Look at somebody and say, I can do that. Now, what did God require you to do? Throw the staff down, pick it up, put your hand in, and pull it out. That's what he required Moses. He didn't require him to make it a snake. He didn't require him to make his hand leprous. Who does that part? Ah, we're co-labors. Co-labors. See, I found out that it wasn't my job. My, I didn't have to have enough faith to change the, the staff. I didn't have enough have faith to put, make my hand leprous. I had to have enough faith to hear and obey. And you know what? God never asked me to do something that I can't do. He's a good God. God is good. What? All the time. Yeah. So if God tells you to do something, you can do it. Say, I can do it. God tells me I can do it. See, the Pharisees were giving them things that they couldn't do. Because why? They wanted to make themselves look better at their expense. But Jesus only comes and asks us to do things that we can. Now, I have found through the years that he leads us with the simple things as well as the great things we do. In either case, hearing and obeying is at the center of it all. For instance, one time I'm at, a, I'm at one of those rest stops along the turnpike. I'm walking away and he says, go back and give 20 bucks to the, the, the attendant. 20 bucks? I, I act like I didn't hear for a moment. <laughs> but he repeated it to me. I went back. The attendant had no idea. Surprised to see me. I come up, put, it, you know, put the old, you know, in your hand thing. Shook his hand and said, the Lord just wanted me to give you that. See you later. Never stopped. Asked him any questions. Just went on. What happened? I don't know. He might have, I don't know what he'd do. It doesn't matter. My job was to say it louder. I could do this. I could do that. Another time is, you know, this was my normal look. Now, you've got to understand, when I was young and lovely, I had long, I had dark black hair, black mustache. I wore long black leather coats. If my hand went in my coat back then, people were very concerned. And they had right to be. Because I was not, and, and by the way, my voice, my normal speaking is right here. This is my normal. I used to wonder, why do people think I'm shouting at them? I never understood that. You know, I used to be in radio and everything. Hey, the voice, you know, the voice. Hi, 640 WHO, Akron. Yeah, baby. You know what I mean? But see, here's what I had to learn. I had to learn that people were intimidated. It's not good to have an intimidating pastor. It's not good. So I had to learn. My wife would tell me, honey, you just don't, they don't know your heart. Yeah. Well, thank you, dear, for those kind words. But how do I change? Well, I had to look, and I had to look, and I had to look in the mirror, no joke. And plus, you know, Judy, stand up. So I used to, you know, I never understood this. Come out here, Judy. Hi, Judy, how you doing? Just fine, thank you. <laughs> I'm not understanding. I'm going, honey, why are people so shy from me? You know? So what I had to do, Judy, hey, don't, don't sit down. Hear and obey. Come on. So I had to learn how to change. I had to change. If I want to, how many of you want to grow like Christ? 
I had to learn how to hear and obey. So he says, you know, make yourself lovely. I said, Lord, have you looked in the mirror? <laughs> yeah. But I had to learn how to do this. Instead of coming up, you know, I had to learn how to step back. So I lifted my eyebrows. <laughs> and then I had to learn how to do this. Smile. I had to learn how to smile. It's an art form. And then I had to learn how to go from this voice to this voice. Hi, how are you, Judy? And then, I, and then I also had to lean back instead of stand close and up close. Now, it was very good in sales, by the way. When I would do this to ladies and they would come in sales, they would buy whatever I wanted. But it didn't work good when you're shepherding people. No. So, how is the approach different for you? When you come in my face, you're in my space, so you want to Yeah. Back well, how was the second approach? How did, and, am I entreating you? Yes. Is it wonderful? Yes. Thank you. I just wanted to hear all those accolades. <laughs> Give Judy a hand. Now, see, see, guys, it's not about us. You know, and I've heard people say, well, they'll just have to take me as I am. Well, Christ loved you as you are, but he said, let's change some things. Okay? We need to understand the difference. Yet the Lord does have important things to do. So, but what the Lord tells us to do, what? We can do. Say that. What the Lord tells us to do, we can do. See, I learned that I can change my attitude. I can change my perception of people with me. I can do that. But my example was Jesus. Now, Our fears and our low self-esteem may keep us from doing it, but it's something we can do. And believe me, folks, I would rather have run people over because then I didn't have to worry about rejecting. I'd reject them before they reject me. I got to the place where, man, you mess with me, I'm going to bury you. That was my attitude. And I mean bury you was an alternative. But God had to get a hold of my heart my life. A lot of people are out there that way. They've been rejected. They don't know how to deal. So they deal with their fears by getting aggressive. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Now, I want you to go to Matthew 14, 13 through 21. Let's see how God works out things with us. When Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by the boat privately in a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves something, some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only here five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me. He said, then he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Then the number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Remember in Matthew, he said what? Come to me. And now he's saying, bring them to me. See, God gives us assignments that we always need him for. 
When he told us to go all into all the world and make disciples, it was always with him in mind, a relationship with him in mind. It's never an assignment that you don't need him for. I want you to understand, whenever you read the Bible, he gives you something that you can do, but it's always with him helping you and bringing it to pass. So what do we see happen here? He said, feed everybody, and they go, we only got five loaves and two fish. See, whenever God gives us a thing, one of the things, too, it does is it shows us our lack in light of him. We never have enough. He's enough. I'm never enough. I'm never enough for mankind. Christ is enough. Amen? You understand the difference. So what did they do? They came, and what did they do? They said, we only have five. He goes, bring them to me. Folks, don't look at your bills as if they're too big. Don't look at your, your boss's you know, attitude toward you is too big. Don't look at anything as too big. Don't look like the spies and say they're too big. What did Joshua and Caleb? I don't know. I know this. I see the good out there, and I know that God is with us, and we can do it all. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Different attitude. you understand? See, so what did he do? He had them come to that. And what did they end up? What was his command to them? You remember what he was commanding them to do? What did he say to them in this story? You, you feed them. You give them. You give them the bread and the fish. He never said, multiply it. Make it happen. He said, you give them. So what did he do? He said, you bring it to me. He multiplied. Then who, who distributed it? Just as he what? Just as he told them. See, later on then, we know that he did that. How many of you can give bread away that's been provided? How many of you can give fish away that's been provided? How many of you can do this? Some of you are going, I don't know. I don't know. See, some of this is wiping out all your excuses that you make for not obeying the Lord. I know it did with me. See, the other thing that the Lord did then, what did he do? He sent them off. And he said, you guys go out in the boat. I'll join you later. Later on, what happens? Gets really turbulent, right? They're, huh? And all of a sudden, who's walking along the water? It's the Lord. They thought it was a ghost. And Peter goes, wow, Lord, if it's really you, then what? Let me come out to you. The Lord said, come. (laughs) He starts walking on the water. Wow! Did God say, you come, first of all, make the water safe. Make it hard. Did he say that? See, there's a bunch of wrong teaching out there that says, folks, you got to rely on yourself more than you got to do God. Or there's another one that says this, that really, God doesn't expect much of me. He'll take care of everything. Once I'm saved, doesn't matter what happens. See, God expects us always to what? Hear and obey. But he gives us things that what? We can do or not do. See, when Peter walked out, what did he say? He said, I think he was shocked. But then he began to look at what? The circumstances over the Lord. And then whenever we do that, we always sink, folks. You'll always sink. And what did the Lord do? What did the Lord do? Grabbed him. 
Let me tell you something. As long as you're making effort toward the Lord like Peter, Peter was wholeheartedly making effort. He, was, he stepped out in the boat. That, I mean, whoa! The Lord said, hey, just keep your eyes on me. Amen? And see, when we fall, what does he do? When we're making effort toward him. Now, God never licensed rebellion. Never will bless rebellion. Never, never will benefit rebellion. He'll bring correction, and he'll actually bring destruction. Deuteronomy 28 tells us very clear. If he did it, for, if he did it to Israel, he'll do it to who? He'll do it to us. Are you with me? So can, can, you do the, can you do the Father's will? But what is the requirement? Say it together. You now you know why I'm not a choir leader. But how many of you is this freeing up right now? Hear and obey. Not, I have to have enough faith. I have to know the Bible forward and backward. I have to do this. God won't give you something that you, that's too hard for you to bear without making a way to escape through Christ. And it's always through His Word. It's always through kneeling. It's always through, huh? See, what I had to find out, my, the love and acceptance and forgiveness of God was not conditional. It was, my identity and significance in Him was real and true. And that He has a purpose for me and that he's going to sharpen me, he's going to prepare me through hearing and obeying. That he has a life for me that I can't even imagine. I can't, I can't even com- you know, comprehend. I was one, my son wrote a book. It said that basically he described me as one who never makes it out of teenage years. For me to conceive to have a wonderful wife, four kids, 13 grandkids, I've traveled all over the world... I've got to do exactly what he said to me, that he spoke to me when I was five years old. It's not because of my goodness or because God said it had to be this way. It's because I surrendered myself and I said, Lord, I want you more than my own will, my own way. See, how many of you have fallen and you stayed down because you let the fall become your identity and significance? How many of you have allowed the world's opinion of God and you to be your determiner? How many of you have just said, you know, I've tried so much, it seems like I can never make it? How many of you have let these things be your identity and significance instead of the Lord God who says, come, come. And he'll be there. When we fall, get back up. Because why? He's giving you something that what? You can do. Not something you can't do. But see, we listen to a lot of stuff on the radio. We listen to a lot of what I want to call, and pardon my speech, idiotic theology. That takes it off of God, the responsibility off of God, and puts it on us like for God things. I'm going to tell you something right now. I can't heal anybody. I can lay hands on people and pray. Amen? Amen? The gift of healing comes through me through God, not through, it's not me conjuring it up. I've had words of wisdom, words of knowledge all day long with people. I've had prophetic words, all those things. But it comes from my relationship with him. It doesn't come out of me. It's something that he's given me. Amen? He's gifted me. But it's in my relationship with him. 
I don't put myself up too high. He said, think soberly, but I know who is with me. And if God can be with me, amen, what's the rest? Am I speaking to you this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can you do it? Say, I can. I can hear and obey. Can you hear and obey? That's really all I have. Because my goal is to help you, maybe right now, is this. And this is the last thing I'll say to you. If you're down, get up. If you need help, sell somebody. But keep on listening to God because he has your best interest at mind. When? When? All the time. He's a good daddy. He's a good daddy. He has a whole purpose for you. I love the scripture, Jeremiah 29. You know where it says, what? I know the plans that I have for you. What? Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. Not to harm you at all. He's a good father. He has a purpose for you. But here's here's what I know with some of you right now. Here's what I know. Some of you have allowed your dreams to be diminished. Some of you have allowed your purpose to be disturbed. Some of you need to get back up in these things, to believe again, to hope again. Not to let the world's perception of you or the world's purpose for you to keep you from God's. Sometimes we get a career track that we never ask God about, but we're going to do it because it brings us the money, it brings us what we want for the immediate. But God has the eternal in mind for us. He has beyond what we can ask or think. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you you know where I'm at right now with you. Look around. I want you to know. Look at. Raise your hands. Come on. Now look around. We all need, do we need prayer for this? Say amen or not. Then let me pray with you if I may, Frank, may I may do this as we close. Why don't you stand? Why don't you stand? Those of you who raised your hand, stand. If you're, if you're good, you're going great, stay seated or lay hands on somebody next to you. But I'm glad I'm not alone. You guys make me feel good. See, when I get up in the morning is because I ask God to refill me. I, you know, I know I have the Holy Spirit. Fill me and lead me this day. Let me walk in your presence this day. Let me hear what you have to say this day. And let me obey you this day. Amen? Because this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it's the only one I'm responsible for. And it's right now is the only time I'm responsible to be in. Amen? But you, I'm going to tell you something. You as a church have great, beyond great, I don't want to use the P word, the potential. It's not that. You have a destiny, which is much greater. And it's already in Christ for you. And all we have to do, folks, all we have to do is something we can do, which is what? You guys are so good. Lord Jesus, right now. As I extend my hands, believing that you are touching them through the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, those of us who, Lord, we need to increase our faith because we've lost sight of the fact that we can hear and obey. We can do this because you have made us to be able to do it. And you're not asking us to do something that, Lord, we can't do. And you will take care of the rest. Lord, you will take care of the rest. 
Lord, you've asked us to hear and obey, and you'll take care of the rest. Whatever the provision, whatever the miracle, whatever the need, you will supply it because that's your promise to us. And you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, as we hear and obey and trust in you, you're going to do beyond what we can ask or think through us. And we thank you for it. And I pray right now that you would lift everyone's heart right now, that you would lift them, let them come, let them picture themselves coming off the ground, again standing before you, again believing that you have a purpose, believing you have a destiny, believing that, Lord, they can and that you will. Lord, we just thank you for this church and for the impact it's going to have in this area because we hear and obey. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, thank you. It's not going to happen unless you climb out of your box of excuses. You know that? So knowing how to climb out of your box of excuses goes right along with hearing and obeying. I want to clarify something that that Mike said. In Genesis 4, verse 7, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right... You will not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door, desiring to have you, but you must master it. You know, you don't have to do right to have God's, to have God love you. Because God will love you even while you're being disciplined. And it's because he does love you that he disciplines you. But you do have to do right to feel right. Because how you think is... Say that again. How you... You do. So you got to think right if you want to do right. And if you want to feel right, you got to think right. Amen. This is a very good message, Mike. Very good. Um, we're going to take up... A, we're going to receive an offering now. We need to bless Mike. We, you know, he had, he had to fly down. He had a hard time flying down here because of this because of the Chicago um, thing with he got delayed in Detroit, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so let's, let's, fill, out, let's uh, fill out the checks. Ushers, you come forward. And we're going to receive an offering for, for Mike and his ministry. And uh, don't make the checks out. Do not make the checks out to Mike Ross, because God forbid that your check would bounce. There's difficulties. But make it out to uh, Grace Christian Fellowship and... Um, we keep it separate from the ties, and this is what he will go home with. Okay, so let's do this. Let's do this. I want to tell you what happened to me once. While we're doing this, I'm going to talk to you. I told this to Mike today. He couldn't believe this happened to me. This happened to me in one of my recent trips. It's the, it's, it's the second song before we're through worshiping, and then I'm up to preach. And the, the congregational leader came up to me, and he said, You know, Frank... He's whispering in my ear. Everybody's worshiping. He says, you know, Frank, the, um, the local rabbi just died. And what we would like to do, if it's okay with you, we'd like to 
we'd like to give him your offering to help his wife out. That's okay with you. I mean, what do you say? What do you say in something like that? So all I said was, make sure you let him know that it's in my name, that you're giving him that offering. I'm thinking, I've never experienced anything like this, okay? I've experienced all kinds of stuff. I experienced one church. It was a great big church. It was maybe uh, 800, 900 people in attendance, okay? And they, it took an offering, and people came forward to do their offerings. They had big buckets, okay? And, and then I got my, it was for my honorarium. I got my honorarium, $200. I'm thinking, oh, did he pocket the money? They make money off me. We don't do that, by the way, do we, Judy? No, we don't do that. What you, the, the, the minister gets what you meant it to be for. It's for he and his ministry. We don't make money off ministers. And this has that's happened to me. And there's other things that have happened to me, too, on the road. But I'll tell you these another time. Okay? We serve a good God. Listen. A lot of you have been through a lot of tough stuff in the last year. I know you have. I know you have. I know you have. But I've watched you go through it. And I've seen you grow because of it. God is always good. No good thing, no bad thing will happen to he who walks uprightly. God works these lemons in your life. And with hindsight, you find out you've got lemonade. Let's all stand together, okay? God wants to bless you. Number 621. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace in your heart as you're obeying his word, knowing that he would never give you anything to do in his kingdom that you couldn't do. Because he promises I'll never leave you and I'll never abandon you. So have peace in your heart knowing this. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you a lot. If you have a special prayer need, we'll be glad to pray for you. Otherwise, we have some wonderful carbohydrates in the back and coffee, and you've got over a half hour before kickoff. Amen. Come and break this heart of stone. Breathe new life into me.